March 2020, the Reserve Bank of Australia and the Department of Finance were in the final stages of a significant program of work focused on using the MPP to modernise Commonwealth cash management. The timing couldn't have been better. Within weeks, the COVID-19 pandemic was declared and government departments charged with responding to the emergency used the MPP to access urgent funding in near real time. Hello, I'm Lisa Linturn, and in this episode of NPP Soundbites, Deputy Head of the Banking Department at the Reserve Bank of Australia, Stephanie Connors, describes the government use cases now using the MPP and why she thinks this is just the beginning for the modernisation of the government's banking capabilities. Thanks for joining me today, Stephanie. Oh, hi, Lisa. It's a pleasure to be here. So for those listening who may not know you, can you briefly describe what you do at the Reserve Bank of Australia? Uh, Look, many listeners may not be aware the Reserve Bank's banking department provides transactional banking services to around 90 Australian government departments and agencies. Our customers include the ATO and Services Australia, who, as you can imagine, are large users of our services, particularly payment services. So, Stephanie, when Prime Minister Scott Morrison announced the government's digital business plan to drive Australia's economic recovery last year, he called out the MPP and he described it as uh, the world's most advanced real-time payment system, lauding its ability to make payments to people within seconds. Now, the government itself has a big role to play in this as both a large payer and receiver of payments. Oh, yes, look, Lisa, totally agree. The government can play a big role here. If I could just give you a little bit of background on, I guess, the journey we've taken. Um, The RBA's banking department were heavily involved in the very early design and delivery of NPP. So during this early work, we regularly met with our government agency customers to keep them informed on the capability being developed. You know, we felt this was really important uh, in order for government agencies to have that early visibility so that they could start planning on how they might leverage NPP in the design of any future payment systems work they were to undertake, or even when considering new government payment programs, especially those that might benefit from the 24-7 nature of NPP or the extended information that be included with a payment. We were also building functionality in our online banking service that we offer to government customers. We felt this was important to make sure that from day one, agencies had been enabled to actually make an NPP payment from the launch date if they needed to do so. Notwithstanding, they may not have actually yet uh, built that capability in their back-end systems. So they could do this um, from, from the launch date by entering a payment manually, or they could actually create a payment file outside of their our online banking in the NPP formatted payment. So it's really not a case of simply just turning on the MPP, is it? What kind of things had to be considered to enable this to happen? Uh, look, Lisa, that, that's right. Um, for large corporates and governments, they've already got a lot of payment capability built into their financial management system, their back-end payment systems. So some of those payment formats are from a, some of our legacy payment methods. So to move to a brand new, quite rich message format, we'll need to take into account some of that systems development work. So it's really important to understand what are, the, what are going to be some of those uh, paybacks in actually undertaking that development work. And there's absolutely no doubt 
that there are many paybacks, but it's actually just a case of you having a look at what is involved and uh, considering the payment types that you want to move across to a real-time payment system in a very, uh, I guess, managed approach. So obviously when it comes to government payments, Stephanie, there's a lot of use cases that you you could consider. What did you focus on first? I guess Services Australia is probably you know, the very first example I can use, they have the uh, responsibility to actually make, for example, disaster relief payments. Now, we do know that um, there have been a number of uh, examples over the years where there have been either floods or bushfires, and there has been frustration that they have been unable to get uh, urgent funding to individuals on a 24-7 basis. So we thought it was really important that those urgent welfare-type payments should actually be leveraging NPP to bring those benefits to both um, the government who want to get money out the door and obviously to the receivers of those payments in these, in these very um, difficult times. So that was our first use case. The other use case was, in fact, the way that the central government accounts provide funding to individual departments and agencies to support their payment funding arrangements. So um, that particular arrangement was developed many years ago the way all that funding works for the Commonwealth. And it was actually um, leveraged small batch processing technologies. And we really felt that it was important for the Commonwealth central account to be able to provide funding to to departments and agencies in a more real-time nature. So they were our two use cases. And so we worked with both the Services Australia um, as well as Department of Finance to actually bring those two use cases to fruition. So obviously when it comes to real-time disaster relief or or welfare payments, the impact is quite tangible in terms of an improvement on a person's life. But what kind of efficiencies or benefits have you seen this work bring to the government from an organisational perspective? These first use cases were both fully integrated services. So not long after NBP launched, the RBA implemented uh, a new API gateway service and we replaced our 30-year-old core banking system uh, with a new 24-7 system. So what this meant was that agencies are able to fully integrate into their workflow or financial management system the initiation of the NBP payment instruction. The ability to receive confirmation a payment is successful or unsuccessful within seconds is also a vast improvement on how most payment methods would work today with a delay in notification of the failed payment. That's always been uh, a pain point um, with the existing DE system today, that delay in knowing whether a payment was successful. The other piece um, was, of course, the information that can flow with the payment. And this benefits uh, both the government and the receiver of a payment. There are operational efficiencies due to reduced call centre inquiries. And, And I have to say that's actually not just from the government side, but also from the commercial banks. If an account holder sees a payment and they can clearly see what the payment, who the payment was from and what it's about, they're less likely to make a call asking uh, asking for more information. Uh, I have to say also with the Services Australia use case, which stretch not just to disaster relief payments, but also those welfare emergency welfare payments, um, there were actually cost efficiencies because the methods that the government had to use were actually quite high cost. The other improvement um, for the Commonwealth was uh, the the Department of Finance uh, initiative, which means improved cash management. So government agencies don't have to plan for or keep elevated cash balances. Um, 
in, you know, in case of unexpected payments. As finance, Department of Finance now has that ability to provide funding uh, on a 24-7 basis. So, you know, cash management and keeping um, accounts in various government accounts, keeping that cash at, at a minimum is obviously going to be an improvement to the overall uh, Department of Finance cash management arrangements. So the timing of this work was literally at the start of the escalating COVID-19 pandemic. Can you talk to me about how this work has enabled the government to respond to the, to the pandemic? Oh, look, yes, Lisa, the timing was quite amazing. So we were actually doing that work um, in the lead up to March 2020 and had targeted to go live um, in mid-March. So that was right at the start, obviously, of the pandemic. What that meant was that government departments didn't need to worry too much around um, the timing of when they would receive their funding from the central account to the timing of which they needed to make payments. So in a, in a quite a fast-changing environment, that was just a really great benefit to them. It just also meant removing some of those obstacles and the legacy processes that had been in place. So what about PayID? Is the government using PayID yet? Lisa, a number of government departments and agencies are looking at what they need to do to their financial management system to capture a pay ID. For example, if a vendor actually says they'd like to be paid via their pay ID, some, some agencies have realised that they need to be able to capture that and pay to a pay ID. So that's some of our smaller, medium customers. In terms of the larger government departments and agencies, it is a fundamental shift to the way they do things today. The, the whole process for actually capturing a pay ID and some of their collection and storage arrangements all need to be considered it is a large change. So the larger government departments and agencies know they're not using it yet, but they're certainly looking at it very closely. And then turning to the future, um, is there anything else we can expect to see happening uh, from the government in terms of using the MPP to, to modernise payments? Uh, look, yes, uh, look, this is really early days and uh, we're currently engaging with a number of departments who are looking to modernise their back-end systems and uh, while doing that, they're taking the opportunity to use the NPP as their default payment method. We're also um, expecting some of the big use cases to involve leveraging the data that can be carried with the payment. I think we've really only scratched the surface and some of the benefits that richer data will provide, you know, to our senders and receivers of payments. We're also looking at um, the mandated payment service because while the government is obviously um, a, large, a large payer, it is also obviously a large receiver of monies as well through various programs. So we're certainly talking to government about some of the benefits of the mandated payment service as well. So absolutely, it, um, I think it is really early days and I think we can certainly see a lot more in the future and uh, hopefully in the not too distant future. Well, thanks, Stephanie, for joining me today and, and giving us this insight into what's happening within the government um, as it starts to use and, and benefit from the new payments platform. I love no thank you, Lisa. It's been a pleasure.